Greetings and welcome to Dance Africana Dance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lindsay Gary. Powered by Dance Africana, Dance Africana Dance Podcast highlights the African tradition from Houston, Texas to the African continent. Its episodes specifically celebrate Black dance artists of the past, present, and future, the history of Black dance in Texas, and African and diasporic dances from around the globe. Our Black Dance in Texas episodes are also a part of a larger oral history project to document the history of Black dance in the region. On today's episode, which I'm super excited about, we'll be discussing an amazing artist known as Jasmine Hearn. Jasmine is a member of the Houston Black Dance Collective, and we're here to spotlight their work. Our guests will be discussing their artistic practice, work, and inspirations. So I want to give a little bit of information about Jasmine, and you'll learn more about their work in just a moment. Jasmine Hearn is an internationally touring, interdisciplinary artist, director, performer, choreographer, organizer, doula, and teacher. They are committed to performance as an expansive practice that includes a spectrum of dance and somatic traditions and techniques, sound composition, design, cooking, and the archiving of matrilineal memories. That's my favorite part, probably. (laughs) They give gratitude to spirit in that part, too. Their mothers and aunties and all the mothering Black people who have supported their moving, remembering body. Wow, this is probably one of the most beautiful bios I've ever read. And I'm just so super excited, excited, excited to have you on. So let's let's jump into the conversation. So welcome. Welcome. Thank welcome. you. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate being here and to be in conversation with you. Yes, we appreciate you. And so let's get started in the conversation. So Tell us a little bit about when you began dancing. I know you're from Houston. Yes. So I'm curious. Yes. So I'm curious about your, <laughs> <laughs> you know, early days with dancing. You know, who were your early teachers? Mm-hmm. How did you learn? Wow. I, I really appreciate this question. Um, so I was raised um, in such a beautiful circle of, uh, of people. I'll name that um, as a way of being really held by um, a village that my mother spun with her beauty and generosity and wisdom. Um, I was able to witness my mother um, go and be a part of so many different um, community um, organizing events, as well as like she put my sister, Jenna Hearn, and I in um, dance. And I always looked up to my sister. I always looked up to my sister and her friends and my cousins and the ways that they were so expressive and, and being in their bodies and moving and dancing from parties to um, being out, you know, cookouts, family reunions, weddings. Um, I was so joyous and so excited about moving. Um, but... I was that person who um, didn't have rhythm Um, or (laughs) my dad would be like, Ooh, please make her stop because all she's doing is clapping, not on the beat. And it's so funny because now I can really name that it wasn't that I didn't have rhythm. I think I was just hearing so many different rhythms at once that I was just getting like so excited and caught um and caught by spirit so Mm. right so as like as I was receiving so much 
um, information from at that time, especially being younger, closer to portal, uh, moving my body, and then also witnessing my sister, my cousins, my aunt, my mom, just move, my grandmother, moving their bodies throughout space to celebrate um, different stages of life. I think I was just so overcome. But um, it wasn't in this way that was immediately um, coherent to uh, the culture and the cultures that I was raised in. So a lot of times I spent most of my fullest dancing experiences alone, improvising in my bedroom late, late, late at night, um, or just doing things without eyes on my body. Um, and then as I grew up, um, and also as I kept falling down stairs, because I was a little bit of a clumsy one, um, mm-hmm. I was put into more um, organized dance forms from um, a hip hop dance group um, when I was in elementary school to um, ballet classes at Houston Ballet. And then later um, fully you know, committing myself to jazz, modern, um, and the complexity of what that is um, with with um, the lessons that I learned while I was at, while, and I still am at the Houston Metropolitan Dance Center. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so much to say about this. First off, you believe it or not, I don't think we've talked about this, but literally my family used to say the exact same thing <laughs> about me. And they still to this day say, and I literally <laughs> I say the same thing back to them. I say, you know, I say that there's, there are so many rhythms that I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. in the United States, of, of, you know, aspect mm-hmm. or region of the diaspora, the African diaspora, we, there's so many rhythms that we don't necessarily tap into that maybe mm-hmm. our ancestors were tapping into. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I study African dance, like even being in Senegal for extended amounts of times, Mm-hmm. And hearing the percussion, there are so many levels and layers, yes. combinations and complexities. And we don't have necessarily, we don't always incorporate all of those polyrhythms. Mm-hmm. And even throughout other parts of the diaspora. So when I started studying like Afro-Cuban dance and Afro-Brazilian mm-hmm. and different types of dance from the continent, I started hearing yes. all the different rhythms. And I'm like, I was able to pick these other rhythms up. And mm-hmm. I know, and they're like, no, nah, you just didn't have rhythm. But I'm like, no, like <laughs> I was, I was hearing those yeah. other rhythms because my body wasn't necessarily trained to just follow one yes. that maybe some of the older people w- were used to in their particular styles that they were yep. dancing in their regions. And I w- and I literally tell them, I'm like, no, like I was tapped into polyrhythms. You know, everything yeah. is not on the on beat in our mm-hmm. understanding. Sometimes it's on the so-called off beat. Yeah. You know, or sometimes there are different beats and they switch up and you hear like yep. Congolese and Dumbelow and things like that. And, you know, Coupe de Calais and you hear Sabar and Balaz, mm-hmm. all that. Like you're hearing these rhythms. And I'm like, yeah. I was tapped in. And like you mentioned, the portal. I'm so glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. sometimes um, children have, you know, we are more, uh, they're more susceptible to yeah. those things. And I'm like, Jasmine, I feel like we have so much in common because <laughs> literally to this day, and when I, I was an artist Inc. and that was literally how I started off my final presentation is how did a little girl mm-hmm. with no rhythm become known as queen of polyrhythms? That was literally yeah. how I opened it up. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. So like I really, I really, you know, that really resonates with me. Yes. And what you're naming too, like as soon as I started, um, you know, just allowing myself to be in so many different rooms. Now it took a minute because from being at Point Park University where I got my BA in dance with a concentration in jazz dance, you know, I, I was in a company that then folded in Pittsburgh and by being able to like not um, only be committed to that one repertory company that was rooted itself in quote unquote modern dance, then I was I was in so many different rooms and I never wanted to live in New York, but then I somehow lived in New York. I got work in New York. And so I was doing a lot of Afro-Cuban, Afro-Haitian, um, like dance classes through Kumba um, dance, oh, yes. Kumba um, dance, um, the dance programs there. And then also like being in the room via um, Summer Leadership Institute with Urban Bush Women and then eventually being in the company um, for with the Urban Bush Women. It was just this way of like really naming that um, there were so many different dances that I was also learning as a child from my cousins because like just just these ways of being um, near and these ways of being near and being open and then listening to all of the sounds around and then also like having this really interesting connection with um yeah with what with the dance forms and traditions that I was learning at a very young age in Beaumont and in Crockett and on trail rides um you know via being able to go to Jack's Grill on Friday nights where they Mm -hmm. had Zotico so just like this way of all of it coming in um, and then and then letting myself, um, yeah, surrender to that wisdom without holding on to this. Because I, you know, cause, because by being in Point Park in this specific kind of conservatory-like program with this very specific westernized viewpoint and priority um, system on what is um, a dancing body, what is a trained body, you know, I was able to, go past that and be able to connect with so many folks around the world to then allow me to really name the um, priceless, priceless um, wisdom that I was already gleaning at such a young age. Mm. Oof. I hope people heard that because you said a lot and it's so brilliant. I think about the, um, when I was getting my MFA, some of the Mm -hmm. questions that were asked to me and I'm so thankful for it because the, you know, the question you sometimes get, Oh, like, when did you start dance? And people automatically go to the first studio they went to. And that was, mm-hmm. and that was something that I had, you know, I was in the habit of doing. Um, and then around that time I was starting to rethink like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. like no I've been dancing mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been learning I, I've been and like you know it doesn't we don't need to invalidate and that's why I appreciate you so much with your work you don't invalidate dancing with grandparents and aunties and mothers and sisters cousins because that that is our first mm-hmm. you know so-called institution of learning 
is at home and amongst our community. So really, really appreciate you sharing that and how that was really the start. I know like for me dancing on my dad's feet and like Zodico and, mm-hmm. you know, all the family events, like you mentioned, yeah. the, the rites of passage kind of celebration. So yeah, yeah that's, that's powerful. And then ultimately like the varied experiences you had, um, mm-hmm. you know, how did that, or how did all of those experiences, you know, lead you to the current artistic practice and how would you even describe your artistic practice? Yeah. I mean, with what I just named, I will say that, you know, it's always, I can, I will always understand. And I, I learned this from many people. Um, but I, we can't, I didn't build it all by myself. Um, mm-hmm. It was this way of being able to learn from so many different people who learn from so many different people. Um, so really being able to name that specifically, I m- remember being in a class with Shannon Judson and she would have us um, do this whole ballet, like en tendu exercise. And then in between each side, she had us like wander and roam through the room, um, accessing different like beat rhythm with our spines and pelvis and our footwork. And she was naming how, you know, treat the, treat the, treat each part with the same type of attention and detail with the same type, with the same kind of, um, devotion to color. And so I was just like, okay. And so to be able to listen to her and then also Danny Terrell, who's now based in DC, name um the ways of Danny's spine moving because of witnessing Danny's cousins um so I really will just name that by being able to surround myself with folks who um continue to remind me you know where I've come from has been able to root me a little bit more deeply in and what I want to do um as a person who makes dances as a choreographer um as a director and as a as a performer um, in terms of what I do, uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. I know that I travel a lot. I know that um, I enjoy being in places and spaces that I'm invited. Um, I do understand that I have been called to, um, to remember and imagine with my entire body. I have been able to be rooted in a variety of practices from Hatha or Hatha yoga uh, and also all of these dances that I've learned alongside my mother uh, in terms of recipes and cooking, how to stir a pot, to also Mm. be with my sister and how my sister blended color, how she did makeup, how she adorned herself. I had a chance to witness her in that, in these, in these iterative dances, um, each person in their iterative dances. And I also love um, taking class. I, I was one to always be in somebody's class <laughs> in Houston, where, whether it was Stephen Boyd's class to C- Christina Burgess ballet class to Sandra Organ's um, Sandra Organ's ballet class as well, as well as Sandra's modern dance class, and then having that same kind of ethos as I traveled. Uh, I used to, when I lived in Pittsburgh, 
And I was working with a variety of choreographers from Marjani Forte Saunders, who was then based in Harlem in New York, to Kate Watson Wallace, based in Philadelphia at the time, to Stacey Pearl, who was based in Pittsburgh. I would be on a megabus often, four to five times a week, sleeping on a megabus overnight, mm-hmm. landing in a city that in the morning. Sometimes even, you know, getting there a little early. So sitting in Starbucks and sleeping in a way that people don't know that you're sleeping and arriving to rehearsals or arriving to classes to be in the room, to learn more about the folks that I was reading about online. And so it was all, I have such a deep crave, a deep craving to learn. So I would say that I can, I'm continuing that. Uh, I'm allowing myself to be in a variety of disciplines and forms from currently at the American Academy as a Rome Prize Fellow with Athena Cocorones. And we are in design and the design discipline as we design garments for performance. And then by being here and being so close to a variety of scholars, artists, writers, um, caregivers, I've been able to learn more about so many different ways of expression and so how do I get so right now I'm focused in how can I learn as much as I can how can I also credit who I'm learning from Mm -hmm. and in performance how can I prioritize the remembering and imagining of who was once in these architectures and structures especially art spaces or academic institutions that are, you know, maybe identified as white spaces or white architectures. Mm. And I'm like, well, what happened before? And who actually made this architecture? And who was on this land before? And what trees were here? Mm. And what and who, um, who were the Black mothering people that mm. were here before me, who will be here after me? And so how can I bring all of that which is quite a, which is a lot. Well, I'm going to bring all of that into dance and into expression and into ways of building moments with a variety of people. How can we celebrate? And also how can we remember? Wow. Ooh, you are powerful. You That's are... a lot of words. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> don't apologize. Um, because I am so inspired by how you name like just your naming process and the fact that and when I say naming I mean the fact that you're giving credit and you're naming the people the things the places um that you know have contributed to who you are and who you continue to be and also because I think that's a great example um so many times I think that we don't do that um, so I really appreciate that naming process. And also, I really feel like um, there's this uh, quote, I believe, that Maya Angelou said was, was it more of a question, you know, when you enter a room, who comes with you? And I feel mm-hmm. like you are like the embodiment of that question, because when you're entering a space, not only are you entering with all of these, you know, experiences you're entering aware of all of these experiences and acknowledging all of these experiences and I think that is just so 
powerful um, to, to enter a space and to, to live that um, is so important and it's just so powerful. So thank you for naming and, and sharing um, that. And then this, you know, signifies this is an ongoing practice. This is a lifelong work. You know, this is something yeah. that will be ongoing. And, and as you move through different places, all your travels, and I'm, you should see my hand. I'm like literally like dancing my hand right now because as you move through these different spaces, mm-hmm. all the people you touch and all the people that you inspire with that movement and the embodiment and the naming, um, that is... I don't know. I, I'm almost at a loss for words besides saying it's it's so powerful because it is. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, really. Wow. And, and I will say that there were times, there was a long time that I didn't do that because I, I was taught to a certain extent to do that in specific rooms. And then with um, ways of being in, I would say, westernized or, or white-led programs, I realized that there was like this, there was this way that I learned that it was intentional for, to build competition mm. um, and build this competition that then would isolate for me a specific artist so that it was about my idea and this is mine and it's brand new mm. and it's never been done before. And I will say that by being able to be around people like Maria Bauman, Marjani Forte Saunders, um, Shannon Judson, and also being able to be a part of Urban Bush Woman, yes. And then also to be in the same room with Alessandra Soutine and Ingrid McKinnon and, and Alicia B. Wormsley, Lovey Olivia. So and just to be able to be around mostly Black womb holders then I, then I was reminded of what my mother taught me mm. um, because I, I, was, I left for a long time from Houston and because I didn't actually understand if I was going to be um, accepted for my full self as a queer, non-binary, um, femme person who loves to travel and be transient and it's a little bit non-traditional so in that way I kind of got a little lost and so it was this way of certain folks reminding me of what home felt like Mm -hmm. um, that I was able to be reminded that it's not okay to erase the work especially that black and native people have 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 given so generously and also have been forced to give so how can I how can I decenter uh, individualism within myself and, and the practices that I get to share in the rooms that I'm invited into? Mm. Yeah, thank you for naming that too and acknowledging that. I think, again, <laughs> so important. Um, and, you know, it is a constant, you know, I don't want to use the word battle, but, you know, living in this society and not wanting to be of it, that is, you know, something that Mm -hmm. we have to work against. We have to acknowledge it, be aware and and actually work away from it, you know? So it takes time. And, um, you know, I appreciate that, you know, you acknowledge that and you're doing, you know, you're using that as a part of your practice 
um, to shift those types of things. And I hope that it, um, and you doing that more of us, um, people who look like us and others, mm-hmm. um, remember that. Um, there's a, a saying that I always say, I probably have said it on this podcast before, <laughs> but it's actually from one of my friends who I interviewed mm-hmm. on the last episode, um, Dr. Kujo Emmanuel, and he says, He's from Ghana and it's something that the Akan people say, you know, that our elders are our libraries yeah. and, you know, and remembering that we are archives. Um, yeah, we are. We are that. So, yeah, that's so important. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I wanted to you touched a little bit on this already, but mm-hmm. did you want to share any more about because um, you've given a great uh information about your influences so is there anything else you wanted to share about how Houston in particular has influenced your practice as a place um or as a a black or African culture has influenced your practice I know you've mentioned this a bit but if there's anything else you wanted to share I'm so right now I am in the middle and the beginning middle I would name of a project that is very dear to me it is called Memory Fleet, and it is it was it is a way for me to be able to. I as I said, I I move quite a bit around the world, so it has a way to return back to homes, um, different homes, a part of my lineage, my my lineage in the broad and most broad sense to specifically my lineage, my dancing lineages that I'm a part Mm. of, the circles, the constellations. And so the first place I always understood for memory fleet would be back on lands now known as Houston, Texas. I had an offer. I had this incredible moment that spirit led me to where my grandmother and I choreographed a piece called memory keeper in 2014 I was able to listen to any memories that she wanted to share. And from those memories, I made a 30 to 45 minute piece. And it was such a powerful way to listen, to listen and also return to make sure I got the story right. And Mm. ways of also being with my mother and my aunt Sonia to continue to braid, to braid these memories into an experience that was danced and also I I sang in it and I did some additional dramatic dialogues and it was the first time for me to also style specific clothing for myself so it was such an important moment and Memory Fleet is an expansion on that so as I return back to Houston I am in conversation and actually I'm just sitting at the feet of eight specific matriarchs in Houston who um, are based in Third Ward as well as in Acres Home. The project continues to continues to expand itself as if I get to just usher in these ideas that I know are not fully mine. And so, this way of building these portraits for these specific eight women, and to listen and to build a archive alongside that is 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 an archive that is full of a multitude of disciplines from video to photography to voice recordings to also one of my favorite 
moments an open call to community um, for their garments, any garments that they're willing to offer. And also, I've been able to fundraise for this project in a really miraculous way. So also being an exchange that is nourishing. So what does it mean to build together, to remember together, um, for for me to listen, for me to work with artists based in Houston, to prism this for a premiere, a performance premiere, April 6, 2024. And then thinking about what is offered as the roots of Memory Fleet. And so if it's the roots, then as the tree grows, uh, the, the project also travels to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I lived for eight years to DC where I had chances to perform some of my first site specific work to being in New York where it's gonna have a premiere in New York in 2026. So this way of building something over a, a, over a long, longer amount of time, it's one of the most expansive projects I've been able to guide and usher in. Uh, and I'm just really excited about how it's allowing me to follow my curiosity, yes, but not but, and also really root me in to the listening practices that I've been learning and how I'm able to be in response. So this way of remembering and naming and crediting and moving, and so it gets to all of what I've been practicing gets to be put in this big, beautiful pot. And so that's really where I'm at right now. Uh, all of my research <laughs> is, <laughs> is in that. Um, all of the ways that I get to build relationships is within that realm. And it's, it's really opening itself up and shaping um, itself in, in, such a full, in such a full way. And so I just keep trying to be with it every single day. Tending. I'm just trying to tend. <laughs> I'm just trying to care. I'm trying to tend. Yes. Well, you are doing that. So really, really excited for um, that work. And um, I definitely will be in the building. <laughs> oh, wait. You know, um, I have so oh. many things to say, but for the sake of um, not saying all the things, right, to leave some things unsaid, I won't say mm. them all. <laughs> but now I'm looking forward to that. And you know, I wanted to also, you know, le let that lead into the next question about, you know, do you have a proudest moment? I mean, you've gotten uh, awards, um, you've been able to, uh, you know, present and share in so many different places and spaces. But I wanted to know what what is the closest to your heart? Ooh, uh, I would say, I would say that a moment that's coming up for me is, so during, during the lockdown, I actually was able to travel. Um, so I did, I had this whole, whole pattern sequence of um, choreographies of care that, you know, when I, went somewhere I made sure I quarantined myself for 10 days and got multiple tests and did all the things that I was supposed to do to just know how my body was doing by going and traveling 
And so I also had a chance to be more in Houston than I ever had been since I was 17. And I was, yeah, and I was able to actually be in the house with my mom and, and to be alongside of her and to, for us to actually both, because we were both working from home mostly, um, and we were able to witness each other and what it is that we do every day. And one thing that, you know, continues to stay with me is how my mom really just named that I was working so hard, <laughs> that I was working so hard. And, and she just really got a chance to see the meetings that I was in or the um, deep dream um, casting, brainstorming, heartstorming, as I like to say, sessions with big paper on the wall, ideas, post-its to um, the different books that I was bringing into the house to the different um, classes that I would take online or classes that I would go to that were outside or how I was teaching or how I was doing all of these performances and how I was building um, in this way that it was coming from intuition and it was also coming from all these different ways that I have a chance to learn from so many different brilliant people, including her. And so for her to really just see me and what that meant um, and see all of these iterative actions and for her to really name them and then also like celebrate celebrate what it is that it takes for me to do what I do, I would say that was really, really special. And it continues to be with me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You having me cry. You said what? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, it's just so, I mean, I, I'm almost lost for words. Um, I appreciate the care and, um, you know, the naming of the spirit and the intuition, because I think sometimes we also, some of us or some people tend to, you know, diminish that or, you know, downplay that. But I say that that's a big part of your, who you are, not just your artistic practice, but who you are. And and it, and it makes sense. It's, it, it, it gives all the context or so much context to what you create you know um yeah so thank just thank you overall and um with that I want to ask you um you know a question Uh, do you have any but and it's hard to even (laughs) ask you this question after everything you said um because it's so it's just so powerful and inspiring I don't know what else to say um but I will ask you this, just to open it up to you. Do you have anything that you would like to say to to people who are listening? Any advice, any just words of encouragement, any just final thoughts that you want to share, you know, out to them? Uh, Yes, I would say, I would say that, I would say that your body is your body is important. Um, I have, I have, I continue to remind myself that my breathing body and what my body wants is incredibly important regardless of what or who says what to me, that my body knows something that I've learned from so many different people 
including Marlies Yerby, that my body knows where to go and the feelings that my body has, even if they are temporary, are full, are full of wisdom. And if your body wants to do something, if you have this incredible urge, or even if it means you might have to leave something that you never thought you'd have to leave, um, then I would say, go. <laughs> um, in this way of not, of not abandoning, um, abandoning specific kinds of responsibilities. But I always had to remind myself that I could go and then I could, I could come back. I'd come back as a different person. My body would be changed. I would know something else. But there's always ways of going and coming back and break, making this really sweet braid of what does it mean to go forward and then come back um, and to be generous with what it is that you learn because we build these moments together. That's what I do know. Um, and following and following where your body wants to go and listening to spirit as it makes sense to you, whether that's writing or reading or cooking or listening to the trees or, you know, braiding somebody's hair or picking out a really cool fit. Um, but trusting these, these iterative actions that may lead you to where you've been dreaming of going. Mm. Now I'm crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just really struck a nerve. Jasmine, thank you so much. You are phenomenal. Um, and I'm so thankful and grateful that you um, took the time out to share um, a little bit more about yourself. Um, your amazing self um, mm. with all of us. And I wanted to give you the opportunity also to share any other uh, projects or events, activities that you have coming up and also how people can listen uh, and connect with you. Awesome. Well, thank you. You know, the work that you do each and every day, I can only imagine how much it is. Um, so please know that as you bring people in, you are, you are reflecting so much power <laughs> power and beauty and wisdom so you know I just want to name that that you deeply inspire me to continue to learn um, in ways that I actually never dreamt that I could learn thank you uh, so with that being said I would say that uh, I you can my website is jasminehearn.com I'm on Instagram at jasminehearncollaborates Memory Fleet also has its own Instagram that is actually on the Jasmine Heard Collaborates on the, in the bio section. So you can follow one and then follow the other if that feels good for you. So um, I'm working with Diverse Works uh, along with an incredible um, group of just a whole constellation of people who are like helping me get what it is that needs to get out out and what needs to be rooted, be rooted. So I would love to be with you all. And also if you have any clothes or garments you want to offer, um, would love to be in communication. So those are the ways to follow. And, you know, I just look forward to being back home. If you're in Houston, are you traveling uh, or able to travel? 
um, definitely make sure you check out this amazing work and follow Jasmine on all those accounts that were mentioned. So I want to thank you all again for listening. Be thank sure to you. Yes. <laughs> and, and be sure to connect with Dance Africana and Dance Africana Dance Podcast. Our website is danceafricana.com. And it's, of course, with a K. Our Instagram is at Dance Africana. And uh, to my Africana people, don't forget to dance.